Have you ever wondered what happens after we call 911? Yes, the first responders arrive on scene and deal with whatever situation is at hand. But what happens after they leave? Who are these men and women who risk their lives every day to save us? I'm your host, Bella Reschenberg, and welcome to On the Job, an exploration of the effects of stress and trauma on the behavioral health of first responders. Now, there are two things I should probably clarify for you. First, the reason I say behavioral health instead of mental health is because it goes beyond just mental wellness to include emotions, behaviors, and physical health. This gives more of an overall look into someone's well-being. The second thing I want to define is who I'm referring to when I talk about first responders. This includes police, firefighters, and emergency medical service, or EMS, personnel. Basically everyone who shows up when you dial 911. Recently, there has been more and more research proving that a career in this emergency response field can have detrimental effects on their health, such as post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and substance abuse. Thankfully, these discoveries have prompted departments to work towards reducing the number of anxiety-inducing factors on the job. For first responders, witnessing trauma becomes a normal occurrence given the nature of their jobs. This of course can become an issue when they get used to experiencing these events and begin to ignore the effects it may be having on their own health. I think that one of the biggest hazards to um, us as first responders regarding stress is that as you pass more time on the job, you do become more and more used to the stress. Um, Where the hazard is, is that the stress, whether it's perceived as such or not, is having an effect on your body. So the the accumulative effects of that repeat, that repetitive um, stressors, we'll call them, that are placed on your body has a toll. That was Tim Hine, a paramedic firefighter from North Metro Fire and Rescue. He has been in this line of work for almost 13 years, including EMS, search and rescue, and firefighting. So the longer you spend in the career, the more comfortable you become with greater levels of stress. Um, And it takes more and more extreme situations to stress you out. Um, or to make you acknowledge that you are stressed. However, you're not taking into consideration what no longer stresses you out is in fact having an effect on your body and it wears on your body's systems over time. And that's probably one of the biggest areas of health and wellness that's being focused on in the fire service today. This stress can develop into more severe side effects down the road, such as depression, PTSD, substance abuse, and in extreme cases, suicide. In fact, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, otherwise known as SAMHSA, points out that first responders are more at risk than the rest of the population, with 30% developing some form of behavioral health illness. PTSD specifically can be displayed in many ways. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America explains three commonly experienced symptoms. The first is re-experiencing the trauma through things such as flashbacks, nightmares, or disturbing memories. The second is emotional numbness and avoidance of anything that could be triggering. 
The last is increased arousal, or in other words, being constantly on edge and having trouble concentrating or sleeping. When asked if he had ever experienced symptoms of PTSD, Tim says that he didn't think he had, but that he had noticed his temperament and tolerance change over the years. Some of his colleagues, on the other hand, are another story. We've had a few employees that have had to, um, or that have chosen to go through early retirement um, because of uh, a lack of desire to do the job any longer, Um, just an inability to be able to to handle that stress anymore, which is why I've always felt that you need to have positive outlets outside of the fire service um, activities that would help you um, de-stress your your life and help you help you process that stress and relax and um, kind of purge all of that out of your body on your days off. So unfortunately, a lot of people turn to alcohol um, and other drugs, but mostly alcohol to help process or relax or forget things on their days off. And that in and of itself has an accumulative effect. So um, that's never going to be a long-term fix. first receiving a 911 call to arriving on scene, first responders are presented with numerous factors that can be anxiety-inducing before they even begin to perform their job. You have these continuous uh, hormonal dumps of uh, adrenaline throughout work. Every time station tones go off or listening to sirens on the way to the calls, to air horns, um, to people screaming, all of this stuff evokes stress within your body. Um, And it's not always, your body's not always responding to it in a way that would help your body metabolize that stress. Because they are both physically and emotionally supporting the victims, they can experience something SAMHSA refers to as secondary traumatization, meaning they take on some of the same trauma symptoms as the people they're helping. Tim explains that having healthy outlets outside of work is key. So finding ways on your days off to, um, to exercise, help your body process and rid um, the accumulation of that is what I've found to be important. So, and along that comes with um, maintaining healthy body weight, healthy eating habits, healthy exercising habits, because if you're not physically healthy, you're unable to emotionally handle the stress of the job. So um, my biggest pastimes are music and climbing, so they're unrelated to the fire service, and they give me an area of interest that I can relax outside of work. In response to all of this research, 
Many departments have started to implement strategies to help their crews cope with the things they experience on shift. But before that can be done, the first responders themselves have to acknowledge that there is a problem to be dealt with. Well, I think that the first way that they're working on it is simply acknowledging that it exists. That's probably, um, that's, it's an area of taboo because it's a, uh, it's a very macho, um, nothing hurts us, nothing affects us type of career. So talking about um, things like feelings and emotions and feeling um, run down or not up to the task is not a popular conversation because it's a, it's an industry of I can handle it myself and I'll fix it. So just having the conversations amongst your coworkers is kind of the first step to it. Another step workplaces have taken is creating committees that offer emotional support to employees, something that Tim's department is already doing. Different fire departments, depending on where they're at with the process, they are implementing um, committees that are that make health and wellness resources available to the employees, and they're all anonymous. So um, there's everything from free therapy services that you can utilize. There's uh, incident stress debriefings that are now commonplace within the fire service to discuss. Um, what happened on certain calls that would be perceived to carry higher levels of stress or higher levels of effects on a greater number of people, um, whether that's a, an infant dying or um, a particularly horrific uh, traumatic scene where... Um, all of those scenes would be targeted or identified as requiring to have some degree of um, debriefing to discuss the effects that it may have had on us. Departments are starting to, within these committees, train personnel to be able to um, speak with and properly identify signs of emotional distress on their employees so that they can hopefully get the employees the health the help that they need uh, in order to process what they've seen or what they've felt um, because tragically enough a lot of this accumulative stress that takes place um, leads to a lot of uh, a lot of suicide over the years um, so that's a big picture of trying to avoid a lot of that Obviously, they can't minimize the number of calls they respond to or avoid looking at or handling people's traumas. But what they can do is limit other factors that could be triggering while they're not actually attending an emergency. What departments have done is um, try to reduce some of the additional workloads on the crews that are um, what we'll call frontline or first responding to where their primary function is to respond to a 911 call and reducing uh, more administrative chores like doing fire inspections or doing different uh, public education events, having other employees or departments within 
that department going out and handling that, having a, um, a fire inspection division of the department that handles fire inspections to take that burden off of the online crews um, so that when they're not running calls, they can um, be working on de-stressing their lives and relaxing in between and kind of recharging and get ready for the next one. They've also um, done a lot of things like um, being aware of the effects of sirens, so trying to reduce the volume of that from wearing headsets uh, that are noise reductive to um, having better insulated cabs to where we don't hear the sirens as well as bad. Um, they've implemented, uh, we have alert systems that go off within the station, so at nighttime, after 8 p.m. at our station, we only hear alerts that are directed to us specifically, which is it decreases the amount of exposure that we have to those alerts and tones and uh, emergency traffic so that we can hopefully relax and get some sleep at night if we're not being asked to respond to a 911 call. They've made systems where when we do have to get an alert, when we would be sleeping, uh, say in the middle of the night, there's they're using... Uh, principles like light to wake us up rather than noises and tones, um, which is softer on the system, less jolting to wake you up. Um, they've implemented health and fitness throughout our fire stations to be able to help our bodies physically process some of that stress if it's not utilized on a call. Um, so in that way, they're taking a lot of steps to help us be healthier while on duty, um, trying to mitigate the effects, again, identifying what effects are having the greatest stressors on us, and then having ways to mitigate those as best they can, but there's no way to eliminate it, because that is, that's the job. out to me the most during my interview with Tim was his closing thoughts about a career in emergency response. I think that people, um, as I've seen, I've been a part of the service long enough to watch several um, groups of people retire through just years in service, not because people that have not retired early, but people that retired at the end of their career. I've seen people that have created a life outside of uh, the fire service and outside of their job. And those people I've seen, it appears as though they're rather successful in their retirement. And then I've seen the other end of it where um, people had not created anything else and then they retire and they don't have anything else. And it's kind of like a junkie who's addicted to that um, to that lifestyle of responding, of alerts, of the um, authority that comes along with the job. And when that's removed from their life, they can't fill that void. They don't have a way to fill that void. Um, and that's when they turn to unhealthy habits um, or at least have the potential to turn to unhealthy habits to help fill that void. Uh, and unhealthy habits are always going to be unhealthy. Yeah. So they're never going to... Um, that's never going to have a positive outcome. So, 
yeah, I mean, I think that uh, PTSD on the job and um, from just the exposure, because we have to deal with things that people shouldn't see. And um, it's not natural for people to see. Um, So realizing that that isn't normal to see and I guess not to become comfortable with it um, which to some degree I'm guilty of um, I guess in large part guilty of becoming comfortable with seeing and doing what it is that I do Um, and part of that's necessary in order to do the job but you still have to maintain awareness of, you have to check in with yourself regularly and check in with your coworkers regularly. When he put it this way, it felt like he brought a whole other level of humanity to the problem. It's obvious that this is an issue that can no longer be avoided in this line of work, but I think many of us don't really stop to consider that these men and women who we call heroes in our community are struggling because they spend their lives trying to help us. In understanding this, we can have a little more compassion for our public safety professionals. Maintaining their own behavioral health supports emergency personnel in continuing to perform their jobs properly, and in turn, keeping our communities safe. Thank you so much for tuning in to On the Job with me, your host, Bella Reschenberg. I want to thank Tim Hine for taking the time to sit down with me and dive deeper into the effects of job-related stress and trauma on first responders' health. And next time you see a police officer, firefighter, or EMS personnel, thank them for their continual service in your community. I'm sure it will make their day.